This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by LightPoint Portfolio Solutions. Does your organization's retirement plan reflect your faith values? With 25 years of experience in biblically responsible investing, LightPoint Portfolios offers turnkey faith-based qualified retirement plans for businesses, nonprofits, and churches. LightPoint Portfolio seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Learn more at lightpointportfolios.com. Do you know your retirement plans are on track, or do you just hope they are? Maybe it's time for a checkup. Hi, I'm Rob West. At least one study shows that many people aren't aware of how much they need to save and will likely fall short of their goals. I'll talk about that first today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Okay, the survey I mentioned was done by Fidelity Investments with over 1,200 respondents. It showed that a great number of them lack understanding of five key components of investing. Now, as we go through them, you might find you've been laboring under some of these misconceptions. But don't worry, it just means you have to make some adjustments, which is what a checkup is all about. The first misconception involves your basic retirement nest egg. Many financial advisors will tell you that by the time you retire, you should have 10 to 12 times your last year's income in your portfolio. Of course, that amount will vary based on several factors, like how frugal you are, your retirement expenses, and life expectancy. The survey showed that far too many people underestimate how much they'll need in their retirement savings. Only one out of four respondents knew the actual number, and about half thought they'd only need five times their salary and savings. That means a lot of people are on track to start retirement with far less savings than they'll need. But that's not all. The next mistake those retirees are likely to make concerns how much to withdraw from those savings each year during retirement. You regular listeners know we always recommend the 4% rule. That's the amount you can safely withdraw each year without dipping into your principal. Now, some advisors will tell you as much as 6%, but that's risky. Still, more than a quarter of the respondents believe they could withdraw, are you ready for this, up to 10 to 15% of their savings each year, or two to three times the safe amount. Doing that would mean in most years you'd be dipping deeply into your principal. Before long, you'd have to drastically reduce your lifestyle or return to the workforce. Now, the next misconception involves the history of the stock market and assuming the market will be down more than it's up. You can always pick a range of years when the market shows negative returns, but overall, the market tends to move higher. Think about it. If that weren't the case, people wouldn't invest in stocks at all. Now, few of us could expect to live 35 years after retiring, but over the last three and a half decades, the market has ended up 26 out of those 35 years. But a whopping 75% of respondents incorrectly believed the market had been down more years than up during that time. And because of that, they may move too much of their portfolio out of stocks as they near retirement and during their retirement years. 
Yes, you want to rebalance your portfolio as the years go on, reducing the percentage held in mutual funds and stocks. But unless you're completely risk-averse, you should never be completely out of the market even during retirement, because that smaller percentage of your portfolio will almost certainly produce greater gains than bonds will over a long period. Okay, that's enough about retirement savings. Uh, The next misconception many folks have involves health care, specifically how expensive it will be during retirement. The survey revealed that more than a third of respondents significantly underestimated their out-of-pocket health care expenses during their retirement years. They guessed the average retired couple would spend a total of fifty dollars to $100,000 on health care, but the insurance industry estimates the number is much higher than that. So make sure you have adequate coverage and don't rely too much on Medicare. It doesn't pay for everything. Our last misconception involves the full retirement age for Social Security. For most folks, that's 66 or 67, depending on when you were born. But surprisingly, fewer than one out of five respondents knew their correct full retirement age for Social Security. You can start receiving benefits as early as age 62, but that will cost you 8% in reduced benefits for each year you take benefits before your full retirement age, and that reduction is permanent. So you have to think carefully before choosing to receive Social Security benefits. It's important to check your statements to determine your full retirement age. But you can look at it from a positive perspective, too. Delaying will get you about 8% more in benefits for each year you wait up to age 70. Well, that's your retirement checkup. Armed with the facts, you can tweak your retirement plans to make sure you're on track. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foresight Fund Services, LLC. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. It's such a privilege to come alongside you each day to be able to hear your stories and answer your questions, to be able to walk with you in this stewardship journey we all find ourselves on. Because here's the reality, at least my experience, is that when we live in the tension of wrestling with God around how we should handle His money, what's the appropriate amount to spend and uh, and keep, and what 
more importantly, should we be giving away? And uh, what is God doing in our lives? And how can money as a tool be a reflection of that? You know, that's something that actually grows our faith when we lean into it. We make it a matter of prayer. I love what the last caller said. She said, you know what? You're right. My upbringing and the fact that we, I grew up very poor probably has a lot to do with how I handle money today and holding very tightly and uh, being unwilling to lose any of it. And maybe I need to think about that. Maybe that's a matter of the heart that I need to turn over to the Lord. Well, we all have to ask those hard questions, and I think when we do, it will not only grow our faith, but make us better money managers. Hey, let's talk about that together today. What are you thinking about financially? Give us a call. I'd love to talk about it. The number, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Our entire team is standing by ready to serve you, and we'd love to get you on the air. All right, let's go to New Mexico. Hey, Don, thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for taking my call. And I just want to say I really appreciate your program. Well, thank you. Uh, I do I do have a question today concerning uh, charitable organizations that you're giving money to from an IRA. I'm, I'm 67 right now, and we're, we're doing a capital uh, fundraising campaign at our church for a building. And... I heard that at 70 and a half, it's still okay to give tax-free money from your 401k or your IRA to the church without taxes. Is that correct at 70 and a half? It is not from a 401k, but an IRA. What you're talking about is a, a QCD or a qualified charitable distribution. And you can begin giving qualified charitable distributions from your IRA at age 70 and a half uh, up to $100,000. And so what that does is it allows the money to go, Don, directly from the IRA to the charity or nonprofit or your church allows them to get a full benefit of the money and allows you to avoid paying any taxes on that distribution that would have otherwise been taxable. At the point where you have a required minimum, and that's now been pushed as of this year to age 73, you would also be able to satisfy that required minimum through that same qualified charitable distribution. It will not be able to come directly from your 401k, though. You would have to roll it into an IRA first. Okay, that's that's marvelous. That's, yeah. That makes a huge difference on how much you can give uh, if you're not paying taxes on an IRA. Well, that's exactly right. And it's, uh, it's a blessing to everyone because you get more money into the kingdom, the ministry or your church gets more money uh, to be able to uh, take and use for their programming, or in this case, a building project. And, uh, and you get to satisfy the RMD, you know, when that uh, time comes. So I think everybody wins. It's uh, often, it's an underutilized tool. Let me just say that. So I'm glad you're discovering it. Hey, tell me what your church is doing. What What's the building project? We're building a worship center uh, to seat cool. about 500. Nice. And, which is marvelous. Uh, but it's a lot of money, you know, and it's, it's <laughs> going to be a God thing if it happens. So, and it will happen. It just matter well, God's got to be involved in it. But That's the given best a way. Huge, huge contrib- given huge amounts of money, uh, you know, the taxes are a big issue, yes. uh, especially when you pull it out. Now you show an income of huge amounts, so you're paying high taxes uh, yeah. in the high tax that- bracket. 
So that's exactly right, Don. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. You know, here's the reality is that 90% of our wealth is held in the form of our balance sheet and only 10% of giving is done in balance sheet giving, which means 90% of giving happens in the form of cash. When we give from our balance sheet, from your stock portfolio or a piece of real estate, and we do it in a tax advantaged way, like you're talking about, not only can we do it in a way that minimizes the tax impact, but it's just uh, going to allow us to give a lot more over time, which is ultimately the name of the game. So Don, thanks for calling all the best to you and that, uh, and your church on that building project. God bless you, sir. Uh, Stephanie's in Florida. Stephanie, go right ahead. Yes, I just have a question on the best way to invest. Um, and I've never done that before, so I'm kind of leery of it. But I am not working at the moment, but I'm currently looking for a job. But I have about $55,000. Um, that is what I'm concerned. That's what I'm trying to find out about investing. And I have about 13000 in credit card debt. Okay. And are you adding to that credit card debt, Stephanie, or is that old debt and you're just trying to get it paid off? Old debt, and it's just, I'm just trying to get it um, paid off. Okay. Was it because of a single event or was it just kind of overspending for a period of time? How did you end up with that? Well, um, without getting into a whole lot of it, I had gone through a divorce. And okay. um, so a lot of it had gone on there to, to help out. Yeah. Okay, I certainly understand. And do you have, apart from this 50000 do you have what I would call an emergency fund, which is your emergency reserves? Uh, no, it'd be coming out of that. That's kind okay. of what I'm living off of at the moment. Okay, so you're living off of the 50000 Correct. Okay, and what's the long-term plan there? Are you looking for a job or um, what would allow you to move away from living off of that 50? Yes, I'm currently looking for a job. I had to, um, I was in the middle of selling a house. It was a last marital asset. It was difficult emotionally to try to uh, navigate. So now the house is sold. So now I'm free, uh, freed up to, to work. Okay, very good. Well, you've got a lot going on, and, and I certainly understand that uh, this has been challenging and it's result in, resulted in not only this debt, but you just trying to navigate all of these things, including this home sale. And so um, I, I'm delighted that you're trying to take steps to move in this direction. I, I wouldn't be thinking about investing this 50000 right now, Stephanie. I would just kind of sit tight, keep that in a savings account that's liquid. Just you focus on kind of what God has for you in this next season, focus on getting this home sale closed, focused on moving if that's still to come. Uh, let's focus on getting this this debt paid off. If you do anything, I'd probably go ahead and pay off the credit card debt out of the 50000 and then just sit tight. And then once you get into your new job, and we're just going to pray that the Lord provides just that right thing for you, and you've got a good stream of income coming in, then we can start thinking about investing. And it's probably going to be best to come through salary deferral. So taking a portion of your paycheck and putting it into a retirement plan, I think is going to be the best option. But given some of the changes that are going on, the uncertainty and this credit card debt, which is probably high interest, uh, I would be looking at uh, paying that off out of the 50. Does that make sense? Yes, it 
It does. So I, I wouldn't be thinking about investing right now. If you wanted to hang on to all of the 50, then the other approach would be to get on a credit counseling program so we can get the interest rates down and get this debt paid off a lot quicker with one fixed monthly payment. Contact my friends at christiancreditcounselors.org. But if you feel like you've got enough runway with the 50 to go ahead and pay off the cards now, I'd do it. Let's get out from under that. That's going to free up a little bit of margin on a monthly basis. And then let's just focus on getting that new job. And I'll certainly be praying for you in that as well. We're going to pause for a brief break and then we'll be back on Faith and Finance. So don't go away. We're grateful for support from Guidestone, whose diversified suite of investment solutions align with Christian values to create positive change in the world. More information is available at GuidestoneFunds.com. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of Guidestone Funds before investing. They're distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, which is not an advisory affiliate, a registered investment advisor, nor do they provide investment advice. Are you struggling to fit your faith into your practice as a Christian financial advisor? The Certified Kingdom Advisor designation teaches you a step-by-step process to confidently deliver advice that aligns with Christian values. Discover the skills you need to help your clients make a kingdom impact. Get started today by enrolling in the CKA educational program at kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. That's kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Let's head back to the phones to Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, Deb. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hi, Deb. Go right ahead. Hi. Uh, I'm 71, and I just recently got divorced, and I'm selling a home, and I'll have about $120,000 to invest. Okay. Um, I was wondering what the best thing to do with money. Um, I have a rental home, and I was thinking about maybe buying another rental home, but I don't know if that's the best way to go. Yeah, so you've got, you said 120000 is that right? Right. Okay, and is that, was the home you just sold a rental that, uh, and that's where the one hundred twenty came from? No, no, uh, it was a, um, it was just a second home that I, I that I sold. Okay, and what would you be looking to spend just based on the types of rental homes you've owned before and what you might want to purchase again? Would that 120 cover it, or would you be looking to add a mortgage on top of that? No, I'd have to add a mortgage. Yeah. Probably, I'd probably have to borrow maybe 80000 Okay, so you'd be looking to spend a couple of hundred thousand. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, how has that worked out for you in the past? Have you enjoyed being a landlord? Has it added a lot of kind of extra stress and responsibility? Do you have a property manager? How have you handled that? Oh, I've always handled it. I've had several rentals. Right now, I just have one rental home and the home I live in. Okay. 
Yeah, very good. You know, I think you could go a couple of approaches. One is because you have experience here, if this is something you've enjoyed doing and, you know, you don't mind, you know, dealing with making sure it stays occupied and dealing with the maintenance issues and somebody needs something in the middle of the night, I'm sure you have a list of contractors you call and, you know, they take care of things if you've been doing this a while. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's moved from a, a seller's to a buyer's market. And so this may not be a bad time for you to go in and be able to pick up a property property that, you know, makes some sense. The you know, idea here would be that you'd be able to absorb without any problem the the debt service and that you'd have enough left, o- left over to, you know, take care of uh, not only paying that mortgage through the rent, but also maintenance and uh, property taxes and insurance and so forth. Hopefully you wouldn't have to come out of pocket at all uh, because you could just rely on that rental income. Of course, if you didn't have it rented, we got into a deeper recession than we expected and maybe it was vacant for a little while. That's where you just want to make sure you're not putting your financial house in jeopardy. Uh, there is a rule of thumb. They call it the 1% rule that you could look at that just simply says, you know, you want to be able to try to generate 1% of the value of the property in income. So for a $200,000 home, you'd want to try to make sure that you could generate about $2,000 a month. Now, that may or may not work in the locale that you're at, but that would be a good, you know, gauge to determine, is this really worthwhile? Uh, Beyond that, I think the other opportunity for you, Deb, is to think about diversification. So if we think of real estate as an asset class, there's other asset classes, stocks, bonds, cash. And so would it be better to diversify into a more passive investment opportunity through stocks and bonds? So if you're 70 years old, you might say, okay, what would a typical portfolio look like for a 70-year-old? Well, we might be thinking in terms of a 40, 30 to 40% in stocks, uh, 60 to 70% in bonds, uh, where we'd be buying in at a discount. You know, we we like to get discounts at the grocery store. And when we go clothing shopping, uh, sometimes we don't like to get discounts in the stock market. We think we need to wait till the market recovers before we invest. This is actually a great time to invest because we're buying things on sale. And so, you know, regardless of what happens over the balance of this year, if you're looking out 10 years or more and the Lord tarries and you're in good health, you know, this money can grow for the next 10 or 20 years or more. And if that's the case, then we're looking long-term and we're saying this might be a great buying opportunity. And now you've got a, a real estate portfolio and you have a stock and bond portfolio that over time doesn't require you to do the maintenance and the upkeep that the house does, but it can be income generating and it can have capital appreciation too. So I think there's not a right or wrong answer here. It's just which you're more comfortable with, perhaps even more familiar with. If you decided to go the route of stocks and bonds, you may want to hire an investment advisor uh, to make those decisions for you, of course, with your goals and objectives in mind. But give me your thoughts on all that, Deb. Well, I have about $400,000 in a government thrift savings plan that I'll have to okay. start drawing on next year. Yes, um, so I don't really need need income. That I mean, I'm not hurting for income. And I, the current rental house, I make about $500 over the um, uh, over and above what the rent. I mean, what the mortgage is every okay. month. All right. Yeah, and that's good. If you could do that again, you know, that would allow 
the rental income to pay your mortgage, and then you're building right. equity. I will mention, uh, you may not be aware of this, but because of uh, uh, the uh, change in the uh, the law that the Congress just passed, uh, it changed RMDs and required minimums now uh, have been moved to 73 instead of 72 years old beginning January 1st of this year. In 2033, it moves to 75, um, but it did move out one more year. The other thing I would mention to you is that if you don't need that money, when you do have to start taking RMDs, you could look at a qualified charitable distribution to get that going direct to ministry. You don't recognize it as income, and uh, you satisfy your RMD at the same time. I hope that helps. It sounds like maybe buying another piece of property would be a great option for you, Deb, but at the end of the day, you've got to decide what the best fit is for you. You've certainly made it work for you, and I don't know why you couldn't do that again, especially given that we've had a softening in the real estate market, which means you probably wouldn't be paying that premium over the asking price that a lot of folks were paying six months ago. So hopefully that gives you some things to think about. All the best to you, Deb. Thanks for calling the program today. Well, that's all our time for today. But before we go, I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and web designers and media producers working each day to produce tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faithfi.com. Then click the Give button to sign up, and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.